You're listening to the Love is Black podcast. Where the host of fly. The love is dope. And the conversation's always 100. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. It's love and it's black. I'm Harvey. And I'm Carice. And you know what we're talking about this week? We're talking about black love. Black love. Ooh. <laughs> you didn't know, did you? Shocker. People have no clue what we're talking about, even Not though I just all. said it, but it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Right. So another week and Black love at its finest. And we're going to get into it. But before we do that, talk to me. Ray. How are you doing? How are you feeling right now? How the last few days been for you? Okay, I guess. I don't know. I don't think anything interesting happened in the last few days. Although that's not true. I got to see my family. It's mm. been months since I've seen my family. We moved down to Florida like most people who make bad decisions do. <laughs> and then <laughs> from there, <laughs> haven't gone back. And so I got to actually go back to Jersey and see my family and I miss New Jersey, but you know what? I found myself missing, um, you know, like the sunshine state, just a little bit, just a little bit, small amount, like 2%. Yeah. I don't know if I ever say I miss New Jersey. No, that's you. No, that's not me. I'm a New York at heart. So I miss New York. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. But, but you know what we were able to still kind of connect with each other through tiktok because you were sending me stuff mm-hmm. i was sending you stuff mm-hmm. i love tiktok i I'm agree totally obsessed exactly so the reason that we're even on tiktok if you watched our pod or listened to us four kids one of which is addicted she lives on tiktok so of course i had to get that because i got to see what she's doing so i figured i would just get the app just you know to keep up with what she's doing and of course that's not what happened Nope. Now I'm all through TikTok myself. Now he's addicted. Now it's just like crack. And, you know, I got that good stuff. <laughs> and lucky for me, while I was on TikTok, I was lucky and honored to find just Black people who I love. Let's bring them on. Michael and Siobhan, a.k.a. Coach My Love was good. How y'all doing? <laughs> 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 I didn't show my age. <laughs> I, I'm probably, I might be, I might be a little older than you. Harvey's older than everybody. I am. Everybody else <laughs> older, older than everyone you ever met. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Two minutes in, baby. <laughs> but you guys are so much fun and yeah. so enjoyable. I saw a video and immediately I had to watch the rest of your stuff. You guys oh. are just. It's, Appreciate that. You know, you're electric. I, and we love Black love. So it's a couple. It's not something that's always seen. So when I saw you, I had 10, 15 minutes of like, okay, let me see this. Let me see this. <laughs> so to get to talk to you, it's definitely an honor. So thank you so much. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here with you. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you guys. And we love you guys' podcast. So beautiful. Yes. The love you guys have between each other. You can hear it. Mm-hmm. And now we can see it. Beautiful couple, by the way. Yes. Um, Thank you. We're Thank excited you. to uh, be here and share our love story, guys. Yes. All right. So let's jump right into it. Where does your love story begin? Oh, man, I was born in Alabama. <laughs> I, was, you know, I try to say, I try to get dramatic. I was born by a river. Um, <laughs> no, so uh, we from, uh, we're from Chicago, Illinois, uh, originally. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where uh, I'm a little bit older than my beautiful wife here. And when I met her, I was married already. And when I met her, I was uh, I'm a film producer. I do film and television and stuff like that. So when I met her on the set of a music video, she was a young tenderoni, um, you know. But, you know, I was married, so I didn't see anything other than talent, you know and saw a beautiful girl and then two years went by you know and ended up was starting to work on a project a feature uh film and a friend of mine saw her discovered her um coming out of a walgreens and casted her but the crazy part is years had passed before i recognized she was the same person that i met years ago and so we just became good friends for years and you know and toward the time of the, you know, I got divorced and toward the time of God just kept on making me run into her. Like 
literally, I just kept kept running into her at restaurants, and stores, and random places, over and over and over again. And I was trying to holler at her cousin. You know, I wasn't even trying to talk to her. And so, you know, because you know, growing up in you know, uh, God, it was really a God a God thing. And so when we finally did connect, then I ended up finding out her story. And uh, when I met her, it was at a really bad place in her life when I connected to her. Um, and then she can tell you, pick up from what happened on her end. So, so um, over the years, you know, we stayed really good friends, did a lot of working projects together in the industry. And outside of working in the industry and in our purpose, we really didn't have any mutual friends. We didn't grow up in the same neighborhoods, didn't live in the same neighborhoods, but I was in and out of a toxic relationship for about 12 years from the age of 15 to 28. Uh, it resulted in us eventually getting married. Uh, we were married for a very violent 18 months together. And towards the end of that journey, when God was breaking the chains of that abusive relationship, I went on a spiritual journey of refining who I was. And that included uh, self-care, reconnecting with old friends, getting back into new hobbies, like rebuilding myself. So during that phase of my life, post a divorce from my ex, that's when me and Michael reconnected as friends. At the time, he was already a relationship coach. So prior to the divorce, I literally reached out to him asking for help for my husband at the time and not even knowing what was about to transpire, no intentions of uh, trying to have sneaky links or none of the above. It was genuinely pure friendship. But um, when God released me from that relationship, he had me in a season of just rebuilding and seeing everything with fresh eyes. And, you know, he was just always such a great supportive guy. And he was single at the time. And the more time we spent together, it's like, I like deeply, seriously fell in love with this guy. I'm like, how did I not see this man in front of me all of these years? But no, it took me having to close those soul ties and that door of toxicity for me to even be prepared as a woman to receive the man that he is. Yeah. And, and, and just, you know, it was funny because when she was, which as an actress, I never knew her life outside of her being an actress. She never shared it. So she had one of those things where it was silent, like her pain and things she was going on was silent. I didn't know much about her. I didn't even know she had a child. I didn't know she was with anybody. So when she called me out of the blue one day, she was like, hey, I need a photographer for my wedding. I was like, I didn't even know you were with anybody. And then she was like, you know, and my child, and I'm like, you had a baby? Like, like when did all this happen? So that was, to me, I didn't look at back was a red flag. Like, how did I know you for so long and never knew you had this other side of you? When you're in love, when you have a healthy family, you talk about it, you show it. So she never talked about it. She never really showed it. Then she, she hired me for her photographer. Then she disappeared for like a year and a half. And then she called again, like, okay, I'm about to get married. So we always joke and say, you know, I was a photographer at her wedding. And she always say, you know, her husband was at the wedding, but the wrong person was at the altar. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I, I was joking, I met the guy. And this is, you know, I, not knowing anything. So when I met him, I, 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 could, I swear to you, I thought this was a shotgun wedding because the way this guy was like nervous and sweaty, and I had really not known her father. And I was thinking to myself, her father must be making this guy marry her because I've never seen, like, I didn't see like this guy was happy or anything. He was just nervous and sweaty, like sweating profusely. I'm like, man, what's going on? And then when I see her, she's getting the makeup and stuff done and she's happy and she's full of joy. But again, not knowing what was going on, right? In 18 months after that, she called and um, said, you know, Realizing how long I was a coach, you know, I forget that I was doing this even before I met her. I remember putting out this ad to do a men's boot camp where I wanted to train men on how to be men. And so I put that out there and she hit me up and she was like, hey, 
you know, I, and I had just became a pastor not too long ago before that. I just got ordained as a pastor. So I put it out there and she was like, hey, I think my husband needs to be in this boot camp. I'm like, okay, told her about it, but he didn't show. Then she called again and she was, then this is when she told me what was going on in her marriage. And I was the first person she that ever told her after she explained it, I was the first person that ever told her, this is not a marriage that God wants you in. And she says, out of being a pastor, no one had ever told her that. Everyone had always tried to convince her to make it work, to make it work, to make it work. But it was so bad. And I'm like, not all marriages are the ones that God put in them because not all marriages are God marriages because they're not you know, developed in his way with his word and with his, you know, his um, ordinances. So you put this together. He didn't put it together. And so that was the freedom that she needed. And I still try to help her. I remember, okay, he's going to set a counseling session and I was going to have, I was going to go and I had a young lady working with me who was going to do a man and a woman counseling session. That was a theory, like years before we even met, I was already operating in that. Set up the appointment. Then she called and it had gotten you know, and then that's when all the stuff came out for her. And it was a real bad place, right? Down on Spyroid. You know, she had dealt with homelessness, um, a lot of things, man. That, And again, I wasn't trying to, it was just a really bad, tragic thing. Seeing her, she definitely had looked totally different by the time it had transpired. She didn't look like who she was. You know, she had lost a lot of weight, a lot of hair. It was just a really bad situation and I just was being a friend and I remember telling her that our first date was she always said if I'd known it was a date you know what I'm saying I would have dressed differently <laughs> and I said um, I actually think it was the best and this is kind of when all of this stuff started formulating for what we have now when I started looking at how we met how our first date was it was very non-confrontational very simple nothing fancy it was the best day ever because there was no agendas there was just two friends and when you go as a man without thinking you're trying to go with someone you get the most honest conversations and because you're not trying to score you're not trying to do anything you're just hanging so the conversation is real the emotions are real and i remember the first time i was there and in my mind but at that time, I thought I was on a date because I was I was ready to, you know, get someone. But she spent so much time just talking about how bad relationships were, how bad men were, how horrible it was. And in my mind, I'm listening. And I'm like, I am not calling her ever again after this because she is a bitter Black woman. And I don't need that in my life, right? Because I really, you know, I was dating. I was trying to find my wife. God had put it in my heart to find my wife. And so I even had a dream about her and everything, like a dream and God. And I was like, okay, this ain't the one because she angry. And I mean, what made me call her back was a text that she sent me. She had said something like, you know, I really had a good time and, and, and you know, I missed you. It was something, it was something that I, it was words of affirmation that I said, oh, something's there, something special about her. And I pursued it and I chased her for a while. And it was a chase because she wouldn't, she didn't want to go back into anything. I was extremely hurt. I had a serious healing process, years of therapy. Mm -hmm. God had to work on me. It was a lot, but you know, with God and only with God and the right support system, I was able to recover from that tragic relationship and um, become a domestic violence advocate. And it's also what motivated me to become a relationship coach I specialize in narcissistic abuse to warn people of the signs and so they can be informed to not fall for those traps because you don't come out the same person you go in. That definitely sounds like a form of trauma that you have to definitely try to overcome because trauma will follow you until you've actually worked out a lot of those issues. 
So I'm happy that you made it out of there on the other side and that you're able to help others now get through that process. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was a long journey. And, yeah. um, and it wasn't the end of our journey, you know. This was this is a God marriage, um, you know. And so we dealt with, you know, what we, we try to tell the people the other side of, of, of the stuff that people don't like talking about, right? There's people out here that's going to hear this, right? There's an ugly side to uh, marriage when it's with the wrong person and when it's tragedy. And there's, you know, there's, there's no sadder place on earth than a divorce court. And you can, I'm talking about when you go from happy, I love you, and, and, and wedding to a divorce court, and you see the people that go through that. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost like going to a graveyard, a living graveyard, the hurt, the arguing, the back and forth, standing before this judge, and, and it's, it's a sad place. And so we had to both be there on long periods of time from my divorce that I had to go through with child support and all that. And then my wife had to fight over a year to get her divorce, had to fight. And, um, it was the judge barely didn't even want to give it to her. And there's a right, there's a whole demonic court system at play. It's 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 a deep thing, guys. It's deep. You could talk a little bit about that. I had no idea that was even a thing that a judge could be like, no, you can't get divorced. Yeah, and you know it's ironic. She was the same judge that granted me um, the divorce. It was the same judge we later had a custody battle over, right? So the narcissist um, that was in my life, you know, some patterns include, you know, disappearing and popping in and out. So I'm not confrontational. I don't like to go through the courts. That's not my lifestyle. So I try to handle things respectfully outside of the courts as much as possible, logically. So I made an agreement with my ex that, you know, we don't have to go through the courts. I'll let, make sure that you see our son, you know, he needs to know who his father is regardless. And I uh, will work it out. So we tried to continue to do visitation and I tried and tried and tried and tried again for months and months. Mind you, at this time, we probably lived about 30 miles from each other. So you're talking every weekend going to his house, he would lock the doors, he would open the doors, he blocked my phone number, but I still kept trying. So after about four months, I just stopped trying, couldn't contact him and just went on about my life. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> for the following eight months, he was in the courts. I don't know, telling Judge God knows what. But next thing I knew, eight months later, there's a sheriff at my job arresting me, saying that there was a claim that I was a flight risk and kidnapped our child. That day, I lost custody of my son, and I've been paying child support ever since. So because of my lack of understanding that I was supposed to go to court and handle things a certain way, trying to be nice, backfired in the worst way. Wow. The system is flawed oh. on so many levels. Without question. Yeah. yeah. Hearing you talk about a divorce court, I mean, I'm just gonna veer for a second mm -hmm. because the divorce court, it's a bad place without question, but I have a personal experience with that. My, I'm a child of divorced parents. But for me, and just for me, divorce court was bad for me because I, I was 10 when my parents got divorced. But I had to sit in front of a judge and tell the judge who I wanted to live with. For me, aside from that moment, because that was ridiculous, that divorce court was actually a good place. I lived with two people who should not have lived together, mm. who should not have been married, who should have not been in a relationship. So this divorce court was the end of it. So it was like the light at the end of a horrible tunnel. So while that place is terrible, that court was actually a good place because it got two people who didn't need to be together and it got them separated. Now it was tumultuous because they would fight and be like a break. Who's taking them to lunch and all this stuff. And it was ridiculous. But what it ended, a really bad relationship, that whole experience, it was worth it. But I wouldn't wish that on anybody, you know? So I understand what you mean, but it's really all about perspective. If you think about it. It is. It I is. found that place to be, it's one of the worst 
days I've ever had in my life, mm. which is why I think I have a special appreciation for marriage. You know, I was lucky enough to find this one here. So, but hearing you talk about divorce court, it just kind of kind of hit me that people can see a place differently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was um, light for you. It was light for you. And for some, it is light. It is light for some, you know. Um, and this is interesting because I don't think a lot of people talk about the side, the divorce, and how horrible it can be. For some, it's a bless, it's, it's a blessing and a curse in so many ways. It's a two-edged sword because you know, we say that there's two relationships that cause the most pain. It's be, uh, being with someone that you should be with and not knowing how to make it work. And being with someone you shouldn't be with and continuing to try to make it work. And those two causes the most pain. And it's hard because you don't know because they look sometimes they look the same. And it's kind of hard to figure out which one is which. And that's one of the things we do in our program. As coaches, we don't always root for you to stay married. Um, so very interesting, right? You know, you we, we here I am a pastor and saved and love God. If you come to me and I say, this is not what God put together. And, 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 and we had one client who, when we told them that, that was all they needed. Like they, they came to us just to hear it was okay that you should leave. And you can see the weight and the chains fall off because we have used, I said, there's a spirit of religion that is binding believers in marriages that should not be binding. And it's a horrible thing that you only get marriage on earth. It's a horrible thing to waste this experience that you're not going to get in heaven in a place you shouldn't be. Sad. It's a very sad and tragic thing. We are advocates. We're on a love mission, not just to help people stay together, but to help them not be together if that's not what God is. Yeah, there's a, such a thing we teach called life-saving divorce. And that's actually what my previous marriage, the category fell under because Every form of abuse you can possibly imagine was taking place, but because of my lack of understanding of what grounds is it acceptable for God to divorce besides somebody dying, besides him leaving, or besides somebody cheating. I didn't cheat. I didn't have any of that going on. But towards the end, after all the years of abuse and almost losing my life, God revealed to me when I wasn't even looking that he was having multiple affairs since the day we were married. And he named off every woman that he slept with. And I, ironically, was so relieved to know that God gave me a way out where I was free from conviction because of my lack of spiritual, religious understanding. And I was going to ride it out. I'm like, well, God, we married. I'm in this. I'm committed. I'm not going nowhere. I have no reason to divorce. This is a divorce or abuse. Hurt, yeah, absolutely. But I made a vow to God because of my lack of understanding. I wasn't suffering for God. I was suffering for my abuser. And that's not what God called us to do. And that's why I qualify for life-saving divorce. When your life, your children's life is on the line and you have no other choice but to get out of that situation to save your life and your sanity, there's scripture to back that. Yeah, she had a toxic upbringing in several areas. And one was the misunderstanding of religion that kept her bound someplace that God told her from the beginning not to even get married to this person. Mm-hmm. Told her that. And she kept doing it, you know, because growing up in, in you know, we just, you know, it wasn't just the abuse with her abuser, but growing up in a house of abuse groomed her to think that that was love. It felt comfortable. It felt like home. It felt digestible. And I was used to it. Like I say, there is yeah. uh, no too early age to end up in an abusive relationship. I was only 15. And it didn't start physical until five years later. But it was a slow grooming process with verbal, the emotional, the other forms of it. And it was a lot very similar to how my mother treated me. So for me, it was not nice, but it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but then years passed and the intensity of it wears you down to the point where you just become a shadow of 
your former self. And, and it just continues and continues. And but by God's grace, that's all my all glory goes to God because there are pockets where I was strong enough to leave, but I always came back strong enough to stay away a year, but always fell back into the cycle. Especially once our son was born, he really had me at that point. Yeah, that's the glue for a lot of um, women. I don't know, I guess some men too. I can't, I can only speak from a woman's perspective, but having had a child in a, another relationship, I felt like that was really why I was trying to stay and make it work because my kids, my kids, my kids, and that was not a relationship that needed to work out and hallelujah, it did not, but that's a, a big trigger, those children. Yes. That is a big trigger, especially for our women. You know, my wife did not want the stigma of being a baby mama. She didn't want the stigma of going to, you know, and what I've learned something, you know, because men, but I learned is that we have a very different viewpoint on how we see women. And it's very dangerous because we normally try to see women through the eyes of how men process things. You know, like men think that women, you know, we talk about how men will send these pictures in their DMs, these sexy, you know, and women are repulsed, right? Freaks <laughs> women out when they see that because they think rape, they think hurt, like they, they think all this negative stuff because men would like to get that same type of pick from a woman. So we tend to think that women respond the way we do as men, right? So I'm learning that there are a lot of women who don't like to have multiple sex partners. They, more, most women would rather stay with one guy because they don't want the stigma of sleeping around. They don't want the, all these stigmas. So they would try to make a bad relationship work, even when it's killing them. Even when it's killing them. And I was with my woman, it's the way God designed women. Women have a high tolerance for pain. Yeah. No. And even like the way they're designed, and, and, and my wife used to hate when I said because she thought it meant like, well, that, you know, no, what I'm saying is women, when I say they can take a punch, what I'm not saying is not to hit them, but they're designed physically in a way, you know, you work in the medical field, the sensors are different for women because they have a lot more that they have to carry. So God made them and because they can take a lot more pain, it ends up they can stick around in bad relationships longer than men can. Women can get cheated on four or five times and stay in a relationship. A man, if he found out his woman kissed another man, he about to throw, you know, he, he, don't, he don't know how to handle it. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God, we should we, Our ego is way more fragile. Um, we're way more sensitive than we like to uh, present ourselves, in, right? So that because of that, I think a women endure a lot more abuse, unfortunately, um, than men do. And it's sad that we don't really know how as men, especially black men, how we treat our black women. They are, they are on the bottom of the totem pole culturally as far as being taken care of, being loved, being protected, being respected and being uplifted. It's a horrible thing that our women have to, have to go through. Black men, you hear this, we gotta do better. We have to do better at our women because we are failing. They, we are, they are failing they, and, and they have to be more, we talked about now, a lot of our black women have to walk in this masculine energy because they don't have any masculine energy around them protecting them. So we are, we are adaptive by nature and that has caused a lot of our women to be hard. We use the analogy of uh, women are, they used to be roses, but now they're cactuses. And because they're cactus, they're talked about there, but a cactus is still a flower. And it's only because of the environment is in. It has to be a cactus because of the environment. And that's what happened to a lot of our black women. They have to be cactuses now because the environment doesn't allow them to be a rose. That's a, <clears throat> that's a good analogy. I yeah. like that a lot. That's, that's good. Um, I had a question, what was coming to me? I've always, I don't know, it's always a sticking point with me when we talk about relationships, black men and black women. So hearing you talk about that, I agree with a lot of that. 
I don't know if I entirely agree with all of it. I don't think I'm not even going to do that. We are not as good as we could be. That's just, that's just yeah. a better way of saying it. <laughs> black men, I think we all have room to improve. I think black mm-hmm. men, we definitely can and we definitely need to. What I So let me ask you, obviously you talk to couples and you deal with a lot of them. Is there a, is there an issue? Is there a problem that you see that's recurring when you deal with with black men? Is there one thing or maybe one or two things that is is an issue that black men have that indirectly or directly affects their marriages negatively? You know, yeah. And let me do this too, because I don't want to be on black men because we, we get enough dumped on us. Um, and like we always say, we are actually more alike than we are different. One thing I noticed, because we're dealing with different cultures, and I'm like, man, this is, we have some of the same issues, no matter what, what, what we are culturally. So we are more alike. So let's say men in general need to be doing better. Because not just Black men, because, you know, we talk about rape and abuse and death and women that are being kidnapped and sex trafficking, that's a culture thing. That's not a black thing. That's a culture thing. So as men are doing bad in general, and it's because I always call it the Adam mindset, right? We talk about the story of Adam and Eve. You see this story, right? God created Adam. I mean, Adam and Eve and brought Eve to Adam. And he knew what she looked like physically. Right? He saw, he was there, whoa, man, <laughs> you know? So. <laughs> He, you know, <laughs> so he had, no, he had no problem with understanding the physical attributes of her, but he didn't understand her spiritual attributes. He didn't understand even the command. And I always tell people, when you read the scriptures, um, Adam did his thing in Eve, but when he brought Eve and he said the world's first marriage vows, woman, you know, I'm saying, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I said, that's the first marriage vow. And when he committed himself, God changed it from him taking care of the garden to him going out and taking care of the world. And what I learned is that that command that he gave, he didn't give to Adam. He gave to Adam and Eve to multiply, to replenish, to have, you know, be fruitful. And there is something that you can't do in your single life that you can do in your married life. And there's something when you get married, your mission changes. And the problem was Adam didn't know how to be married. So, because when you read the scripture, he went back to the garden. He didn't go and do what God told him to do with his wife. And I think a lot of men have a problem with, um, and this is the question, a lot of men have a problem with including their wife in their dreams. A lot of men have a hard time learning how to be one with their wife, learning how to lead their wife. They know how to be individual. They know how to be in the pocket. They know how to do their thing. But when you talk about bringing in a woman, men have a hard time understanding a woman and and, and including her in their life. He know how to, that's why a lot of abuse comes from because he know how to strong arm her. And he know how to use force to make her do something. But he don't know how to cooperate with his wife in general. Men don't know how to cooperate with women. They only see them as orifices. They don't know how to deal with them at the same spiritual level that they are. So we have a, most of the time we, uh, you know, we sub- put them in submission, we put them under us. And, and, and it shows by a lot life. Women are the least paid, they are the least respected, just in general to me, because we've never figured out that she is our equal. And we're supposed to cooperate with her. She's supposed to be our help. And we never have gotten that understanding. So that's the biggest problem that I see with men is they really, truly just don't understand their woman and what it means to work as one. All right. So I will just, I'm going to flip that coin. Siobhan. Yes, sir. What? issue do you get with, we won't say black women, women in general in their relationships? What hangups, what issues do they have? What can they improve on? What do you see? 
Well, as far as women in relationship, are you asking as it pertains to women's role in the relationship or their expectations of their mates? It's interesting. Sure. I like both. Me too. <laughs> Go for right. it. So we'll kind of piggyback off of what my husband said. One thing I've noticed a lot of women are frustrated with is their husband's or boyfriend's inability to lead, to lead them, to lead their family, to take ownership of what his plan is for the family. There's lots of uncertainty, lots of um, miscommunications, and women are very frustrated. A lot of our clients that we work with, even on the TikTok, I have women reaching out to me like, you know, my husband, I don't know what's going on with him. I talk to him. I'm the one doing all the work. It's always one-sided. I'm the one working and I'm the one taking care of the kids and I still have to be a wife and I still have to do this and that. And he goes to work or may not go to work, but there's so much on me and I'm so frustrated and I don't know what to do to get him to tap in. So there's a lot of frustration with women feeling like their relationships are one-sided, that they've almost taken on a mother role to a lot of their men. And that's where a lot of frustration comes from because women in general, they want to be led. A woman wants to naturally rest in her feminine every now and then and not have to make all the moves and make all the decisions every day, all the time. So to have that equal, as my husband said, is important to be equally yoked, to be on the same level at minimum. So I see that a lot um, with couples. And as far as women, I get men reaching out to me too sometimes um, asking, you know, what are some ways I can get my wife to respect me? Because love and respect go hand in hand when we talk about relationships. The way a man sees love is how he's respected. The way a woman sees respect is how she's loved. So if a man is treating his wife unlovingly, she's going to respond disrespectfully and vice versa. So it comes down to, you know, not just what is your woman not doing or is doing, but also people need to take accountability for what they may be doing. So it's always about self-reflecting, which is super important. We never take sides of people because there's always three sides to every story. It's his side, it's her side, and it's the truth. <laughs> so we always want to get to the bottom of the truth so we can give a fair assessment and give them the tools that's genuinely going to help them. Not playing favorites or biases to say, you go, sis, I'm going to root with you because, you know, you're my girl. It's not about that. It's about what's right. What does God say? So that's um, the two biggest things I would say that I see from both sides like that. I like that. A lot of truth. Um, I am kind of curious to go back into your love story. I'm interested to know as you guys started dating and, you know, getting yourselves to the point where you're both considering marriage with each other now, was there anything in your minds that may have, you know, tainted marriage a little bit and hesitate caused any sort of hesitation before or was it just this was a divine connection and it just felt so natural well I'll take this one um there's two sides to that I was really split um I was fighting between my flesh and my pain and my spirit and what God told me to do so the flesh part of me I'm hurt I'm defensive, I don't trust, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm broken, I'm confused. I doubted if I was even worthy of being in a relationship because I came to a point where I said, well, you know, God, maybe relationships just are not for me. So as soon as I put that on the shelf and this door opened, I fought it a long time. And on the other end, God is telling me, if I'm presenting this man to you and if everything is right, why not? Everyone around me could see it. I had family members who never made comments on any of my previous relationship approve of him. Like, you know, he's a good guy. Not pressing us, but just planting those seeds in me. And I was just so afraid because that would have required me to risk stumbling in my walk with God to open myself up again to another romantic relationship with the risk of possibly losing one of my best friends. So having to weigh those scales was really risky for me. But at the end of it all, I had to trust God. And I'm so glad I did because 
had I done it my way, we wouldn't be together. We wouldn't be doing all these things and being able to help other people. So I definitely wrestle with that, but uh, I'm really happy with the outcome, obviously. And I'm glad I said I did. <laughs> I, I remember the day when she when she dropped when she dropped her guard. She said, Michael, look, I'm gonna let my guard down. You better not hurt me. Because if you do, I'm I, I really don't know what I'm gonna do. And I was like scared and turned on <laughs> at the same time. I said, girl, mm, I got you. And when she looked that down, uh, it was on and popping. It was on and popping. But, you know, this is one thing too. Our marriage started out amazing. But when the honeymoon period wore off, then, and, 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 and it, was, it, was a, it was crazy because I think what happened was I spent a lot of the marriage as her counselor, more so than her man. And it was good and it was bad at the same time because I didn't know how to take the hat off. I didn't know how to stop counseling her. And even though it was, she needed it. And what happened was I had counseled her so good that she got to a place where she was seeing my mess. And I was like, well, I ain't got no mess because I'm the pastor and I'm the counselor. And so what happened was that pride started to destroy the marriage because I did such a good job that she became my mirror and no one has ever been able to be my mirror. I've always been in a place where I could be everybody else's mirror, especially in with women, but I never had a woman to be mine and I didn't know how to take and that caused toxicity to come out. And I became an ugly person. And I was ugly toward my wife because of my own pride, because I didn't want to change or admit or see that I was a problem because no one had ever been able to stand up against that. So I didn't know how to deal with that. And so ultimately it, it uh, almost ended our marriage because the same thing that I coached her from I became to be that same guy. I became to have narcissistic traits. I became to have signs of being abusive, not physically, but with those traits. And because she was like, uh-uh, I see this happening again. And it was bad. I was not good to my wife. I was not. And that's why I know men don't really know how to meet a woman on when a woman at the same level as him, he don't most men know how to deal with that. He good with dealing with that woman who quote unquote is down here where he always feels like the hero and the man. But when he got a woman that's on his level, most men ego don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to. What do you mean you're gonna tell me that my stuff stank? I'm the man. I don't, you know what I'm saying? We don't know how to deal with that. And we we end up filing for divorce four years in our marriage because it had gotten so bad because I didn't know how to change. I didn't know how to look at myself. I didn't know how to deal with my own insecurity. I didn't know how to deal with my own toxicity because I've never been in a marriage or relationship where it went deeper than the shallow. And what I'm telling you is most people, this pandemic has brought out stuff because most people never go deeper. I would say 80% of people in relationship never go deeper than the kiddie pool. We start off having sex. We start off doing all this stuff. Then we end up having kids early. Now we got to raise them. We never sat down to even, most people don't even know if they even like the people that they did. Most people have not even slowed down enough to know if they like them because they moved too fast. They start sleeping too fast. They start calling each other, babe, boo, I love you, move in. Here's the key to my house. Here's my credit card. Three, four, five, six, seven months. And you and you, you hiked up off of this dopamine. Mm -hmm. And now you got kids and you got soul ties because you have sex and you don't really know if I even like them. I've never gave this relationship time to breathe. 
and they don't know how to go deeper. And then if they do is they busy from work, kids, errands, life. We only probably spend two, three hours really with each other. And most of that's in front of the TV or at the drive-thru or eating or talking about everything else in their life. So we never really have deep conversations. And most people are all, I, I, I'm telling you, most people are always in the back of their mind. Most people, yeah, am I with the right one? Most people struggle with that thought. When some come up, they say to themselves, I wonder if I was with somebody else, would this even be an issue? Most people that's hearing this struggling if they made the right decision because they never gave themselves a chance to see if I even like them, if I even know. And so I've never been in a relationship where it was deep enough where I had to change because I was good enough because it never went any deeper. And when God calls you to a deeper level of growth, and we, and I said this, marriage is fire. Marriage is fire. And it was designed to burn up your impurities so that you could be the best, so y'all could be the best versions of yourself for the purpose that God has for you. But most people never get that far because they don't know how to deal with the fire. Because some of the stuff that's coming up is the toxicity in y'all. And most people don't want to do the work to change. So you know what they do? They fight, they blame, they say you the problem, and they break up. And they never grow. And that's why they end up taking that to the next, to the next, to the next. And then what they do is they put that in their kids. And now we have a generation of broken children that grow to be broken adults. And the cycle keeps going on. But God created marriage to be fire. Because it is the only relationship known to man where you have to change interpersonally in order to be in. That's the only relationship. Every relationship, you don't technically have to change. At work, you just follow rules. Instead of your corner, Susie don't talk to me. Jerry don't talk to me. As long as these deadlines are met, we're good. Right with your kids, you ain't got to change for your kids because your kids better do what you say. Your friends gonna accept your craziness, but when you marry, you gotta change in order for you to be in it. And that's where the brokenness, that's where the clash, that's where the fights, because it's trying to burn up the stuff that ain't who you're supposed to be. That's when you're supposed to walk in the fruits of the spirit. Because the only thing that makes you walk in the fruits of the spirit every day, constantly, is marriage. It's the only relationship where you have to die every day. Sometimes seven times a day, you have to die. Because it's always this. What do you want to eat? I want to eat here. No, I want to eat here. No, you ate here last week. No, you didn't do it. Every day, every day, all conversations. What you want to watch? What you want to wear? Where we going? Where we going to go see? It's every day. And if you don't know how to deal with that, it's going to be a problem. And that's why marriage is one of the most difficult relationships to be in. Because you got to change in order to grow, in order to be who God has called you to be. And that's what we teach because most people ain't got that deep. Most people don't even know that. I like that. Very insightful. My question that comes off of that is, would you say that if you're trying to get out of the kiddie pool and you try to get into the adult pool, swim in the deep section, would you say that there is more self-worth to kind of dig through at that point when you're trying to go towards that deep end? Or is there more interpersonal where you're trying to figure out more about this person and more in depth for the relationship? I would say it's a little bit of both. Okay. I would say it will first start with self. You know, even going into fasting and prayer, seeking God to expose the dark premises of you that you don't even know are there. Because even within my marriage with my husband, there were things exposed to me that I never saw. And when he brought it to me and showed me these patterns, I was like, how many years have I been walking around with this toxicity and these bad habits? You know, people are polite. They often won't say anything. They'll just deal with it temporarily and go on back to business. But the blessing of marriage, him being my mirror and me trusting that reflection, when I look at it, that, wow, he's telling me the truth. So it definitely starts with being self-seeking, asking God to expose those things to you, getting to know who you are, because 
if you let's say don't even like yourself or enjoy your own company it's going to be very difficult for your husband or your wife to enjoy your company so get right with you first by getting right through god and then pursue you know exploring whatever issues your husband or wife may be going through so that you come in the right spirit and the right heart with godly eyes and not a spirit of something uh, that could be damaging or disrespectful or hurtful because when we see something we don't like in ourselves it could be easy to say something nasty but coming in the right tone and the right spirit is everything so you want to make sure you get first right before you what they say pluck the um so get, so get the get the thorn get out, the get thorn the, out of your eye before you out of your side, you know, scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of them scriptures. But, but <laughs> yes, that's what that. the Bible says it starts with you first. Yes. Before I can get the splinter out of yours, I got to get the log out of mine. That's yes. what it's saying. Yes. So, what it's yes. saying is you have more in yours than she has in hers. But it's so dope because basically it's both of y'all. Technically, both of y'all got logs. Right. But what happens is compared to your mess, hers is small. And you have to see it that way with the compassion. So if you feel like mine is worse than hers, then I better come correct. Because I got a lot going on in my spirit before I could talk to you about your shoes on the floor. And I done messed around and blew up the whole bathroom. I better come with a little bit more love. And, and again, it goes both ways. That's why you can't get married without God because it's his product. It's his product. And if you don't understand his product, you're never going to be able to do it right. And that's why we so jacked up because we keep on trying to rearrange what marriage looks like. That's why God told me before, you have to distinguish between what marriages you talk about because all of them ain't mine. So before you come, it's not my marriage. You made that choice. You did it your way. And he sit back and say, okay, I'm a gentleman. You do what you want to do. But if you want my marriage, then this is how you teach it. And this is how you walk. So when we teach people about marriage, you got to realize you come to us, we say day one, I give you a death certificate because the day your marriage dies and I'm gonna give you a birth certificate when you finish this program because now you have a new marriage and you are no longer married to each other. Your marriage is to, through, to God, through God to each other, not each other. So it ain't you married to him and she ain't married to you, we married to God. And he's going to go up like this yes. and come back down here. And it's no longer what we want. And that's the only way we're going to be able to do this thing. Because we jacked up. I'm interested. And as we kind of wind down here, but I have a question. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. And I'm interested to hear your perspective, both of you. First season was really just us. Just talking about our relationship. And one sticking point that we've had between us is infidelity. And I am very much, and we, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, I've been cheated on in previous relationships. So one thing I said to her is I can pretty much deal with anything. You cheat, it's a wrap. That's the one thing, that's, that's my deal breaker. And her response was, we can work through it. I'm not gonna just give up just because something like that happened. You got to rephrase that a little bit because that makes it sound like, you know, even if I do cheat, we could work through it. But that's not the case. I was just saying in reverse, okay. that's not a deal breaker for me. Okay, that's okay. true. Okay, right. So, yeah, so I, and I'm not going to cheat. And I can, that I can say. But I know that for a fact. I would never do that. So, if a couple, and I'm sure because infidelity is obviously one of the biggest deals in terms of marriages, what is your response? to a couple where one of them cheated and the other one is disillusioned and doesn't know if they're willing to stay in it. Where do you, just give us a little something. How would you handle a situation like that? Well, I'll go <clears throat> because um, not that I've ever physically cheated, but emotionally cheated, right? Finally confident other people. Cause that's, cause you first got to define cheating and what's the deal breaker. Okay, yes. that's fair. Okay. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> there's levels, okay? There's, there's levels to it. Right. There's levels of cheating, right? And in my brother once so there's a difference between cheating and being a cheater. You know, my wife said, no, it's all the same thing. My wife said, my wife don't play games. 
you know, but understanding someone who cheats and someone who's constantly in a state of always cheating and things like that. Um, it's a very delicate situation, um, but there is no, God can do anything. He can restore anything. And like you said, there's levels to it. Um, and, and we would have to go deep into what happened. You know what I'm saying? Because there are situations that come up that are odd that happen. So we never just throw anybody away. We just try to get an understanding of what happened. Because there are some times where men would sleep with another woman, but to them, the relationship was over. Because there are certain times when relationships are dead, but nobody really has said anything. And so it kind of leads up to like, well, we sleep in the same, we sleep in different rooms. We haven't had sex in eight months. You, you, you go out with your friends, but we kind of still here and we kind of still cordial. Like there's so many weird situations that happen where, you know what I'm saying? So we would just have to really dive deep to understand the levels of how bad it is. Now, if you're just an habitual cheater, you just don't care. That's that's a toxic situation. Mm -hmm. But if but if it was a situation where you'd be like, well, you, you told me it was over. Like there's sometimes people say, well, it's over. You go sleep with you want who you want to sleep with then. Like they say things like they did when they do it, they'd be like, you cheat, you'd be like, but but you told me it was over. But yeah, but we still sleeping together. But you like it's so many, it's it's not as cut and dry mm -hmm. in the world that we live in. That makes sense. So it's not a clean answer, but the situations are not clean. Yeah, I would say as long as both parties will be willing to reconcile and even backtrack to see what led them to that point and bringing God into it for healing and seeking counseling and doing everything in them necessary to rebuild their marriage from the ground up, essentially, because once that trust is broken, you have a long way to go to restore that. And you have to be willing on both ends to not only prepare to be questioned until trust is restored, but also the fight of allowing yourself to retrust that person again. So with so many levels, when we talk about infidelity and um, cheating, God can restore anything. If both parties are willing, he can. He absolutely can. Is it tough? Is it a long, hard road? Yes, but we have coached couples. We've seen them come out on the other side didn't start pretty, but by the time they came out of it, they felt like new people. And that's what it's about, renewing your mind and renewing your spirit and allowing God to come into that thing and restoring you because that's the only way possible. Amen. And this is a statement that we says, never say you won't eat out of a garbage can. Just say you've never been hungry enough to. And when you, you know, so when you talk about, I'll never, I always took my wife something. She's like, well, I'll never cheat. I'm like, well, baby, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But when you start walking in that pride of what you won't do, that's when the enemy come and get you in the spot where you sit back and be like, how did this? I say, listen, you always stay humble and say, you know what? I don't plan on doing anything. But never say you won't eat out of a garbage can. Just say you've never been hungry enough to. Because situations can come and change your whole life. And one day you look back and say, what you won't do. And you'd be like, well, how did I end up doing this? Life changes. And I will add the subtext. I always tell my husband, be careful to never put your spouse in a situation where they ever have to eat out of the garbage can. Ah. Because yeah. if there is a marriage and there is a wife who refuses to have sex with her husband, because she used it as a tool of manipulation to get him to do what she wants, or she just always has a headache. You're sexually starving that man from what is rightfully his through marriage. And then it happens, it's like you provoked certain situations to happen. So let's also not put our spouses in a situation where they would ever even have to look at a garbage can as an option. All right. I like it. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Okay, so we have a question that we always ask couples and I'm interested to find out your answers, although I feel like you've kind of given us little bits of it during this. If you had to name each of you one thing that has been positively changed 
in your life and your character or just within yourself as a result of being in your marriage. So Michael, as a result of being married to Siobhan and Siobhan as a result of being married to Michael, one thing that has positively been changed. Oh, that's layered. Um, I know for me, my wife truly has taught me what love is. Like, to really understand how it feels for a woman to love a man. Like, not from a song, not from a movie, but to really experience that, I'll be, it's, I, I, it's hard to explain it. And, and, and in doing that, she makes me a better person to love myself more because of it. So definitely able to love myself better or more and genuine because of how she loves me. Good answer. I know. <laughs> no, right? For me, uh, I would say that there are so many is the challenge of picking just the one. But I will say, I've never had anyone in my life where it transcends intimacy and conversation and just shallow and just the basic. But when I speak of my husband as being my soulmate, I've never met a soulmate before. And I question if it existed before we were married. To be connected with someone on such a deep spiritual level where, let's say, we have a disagreement. We go into our own corners. We can go into prayer and come back with the same answer from God. Like to be so in tune with each other spiritually on a supernatural level, I think it's a beautiful gift. And it's helped me to grow as a believer and in my spiritual walk. And as I mentioned earlier, I was afraid of getting into a relationship because I didn't want to stumble or interrupt my walk with God. But to be in a relationship where that's amplified and magnified and inspires other people, I've never experienced that before. And I wouldn't have it any other way. So that would be my answer. Yes, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, time for us to dive into what you guys are up to now. If you have anything that's coming up that you, you want to kind of promote, that would be fantastic. How can our listeners keep up with you? Let's talk more about you guys and Coach My Love. Uh, well, TikTok. Uh, we've been doing amazing on TikTok. That's the only social media platform that has actually worked for us. Uh, so we're blowing up. We're almost at 30,000 followers now. And we've got one video that went viral with like 4.7 million views. Okay. You no, know, you know, so that's been really helping us. Um, of course, coachmylove.com. We're offering people, you know, free marriage assessments and free coaching sessions um, to see if you want to get into our paid program, which is a 90 day. Um, so our mission statement is we help married Christians who are on the verge of divorce um, find out, rediscover the why their marriage is worth saving and giving them strategies to how to fix it and save it in less than 90 days. And so that's our mission to help those people that are like, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. One foot in, one foot out. We need help 911 because we went from divorce, court date, and God took us through that process to here we are now. And we can show you how we did it in 90 days. So that's what we want to do. Uh, we also have what God gave us the Love Academy. And the Love Academy is an online academy in the community of couples who teach. You know, we do uh, two live teachings a, a month. We have challenges. You in private groups where you get prayer and, and connect and see. It's a community of married people that want a great marriage. And so we're in the middle of launching that. Uh, it's a subscription-based school, but it's more than just a school. You get tips on communication and intimacy and everything at your own pace. So we're excited about those two things that we're launching. So you go to coachmylove.com and fill out our marriage assessment form and set up a meeting with me and Shabai, and we can work with you guys exclusively. We only take a few couples because it's a lot of work, so we only have a very small amount of people that we work with personally, uh, but the school is pretty open to everybody around the world, so we're excited about that. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, as we mentioned earlier, we also are filmmakers. So we are proud to announce that our first Coach My Love feature film is officially on Amazon Prime right now. Okay. It's called Friends, Family, and Lovers, produced by Coach My Love. You guys check it out. It's hilarious. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and all of the above. But that's one of our projects we got up. And also, you can find us on YouTube at Coach My Love TV. We have uh, all of our content from season one to season four, from where we started to where we are now. So you guys can catch up to see who we are and where we come from. That is fantastic. And we're going to post as many links as possible exactly. in the show notes. That way, you know, anybody looking for it can have very easy one-click access. But thank you both wow. immensely. I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And I hope that at some point, maybe we get to talk to you guys again. I mean, oh, I think no there's doubt. so much more oh, we can yeah. talk about. This part one, let's just say this. This, you know, this is just the beginning, you know. Hopefully we can get you guys to be uh, facilitators in our online academy. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be getting couples to come and teach a class, you know, and just talk, talk about what you've done to all of the students around the world. So, okay. and then we oh, oh, yeah. workshops and things like that. So definitely can see you guys being one of our couples that come along with us. Oh, oh, oh thank you, we appreciate that. that. Yeah. That's good. Awesome. Uh-huh. But thank you so much for all of your time, for answering all the questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've gotten like so much information and I think Harvey's learned a lot. Wow, yes, <laughs> yes I have, yes, I have, yes. <laughs> Yes, episode two, I have some thoughts that I'm going to relate to you that we could discuss, you know, but yes, but you know, let's just say we at the shallow end of the conversation and in parts two and three, we're going to work our way deeper and deeper and I'm down with that. Yes. But with that said, your time, we know how valuable it is. So thank you so much for giving us some of it and we'll definitely talk to you again without a doubt. Thank you both. You all are amazing couple. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. So, Harvey, I think we have definitely come to the conclusion that love is deep. Oh, yes. Love is deep. I like that. Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Love is many things. But this good love is Black. Thanks for listening to the Love is Black podcast. Please help support the podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. And connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Love is Black Podcast. See you next week.